Welcome to episode 73 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. I'm so much better. Oh, good. Yes. What What in hell was that even? I don't know. I don't know either. It's so weird what happened. And, you know, the whole week I'm waiting for me to get sick. I'm like, well, she's yeah. coming over. Maybe I'll yes. get sick. Nothing. Yes. Thank God. Thank God. Either allergic reaction. Yeah. Or a bug. A random bug. And Which, we don't even know what bugs are anymore because we're so paranoid with COVID. Yeah. Like, so my like, mom like, had this. My mom had this like 24-hour thing and it was shorter than when how long you had it. But- Around the same time. And so I was thinking there is something happening. Something's yes. going around. Ugh. Although she pulls weeds in the yard. Like every time I talk to her, she's out there in the dirt, like pulling weeds and shit. And then, then the next day I get a call. I've got this weird rash. And I'm like, get the fuck out of the dirt. <laughs> How about that? How about you're it's retired? probably relaxing for oh, her. Though. Totally. She loves yes. it. Yes. Can but, she come to my yard? Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> she will come to your yard. She'll just sit there and pull weeds out Oh all my day. God. She'll be there for, for weeks. Can you imagine <laughs> being retired and you're like, eh, pull What? I, no, I'm going to be I'm going to be painting. I'm going to be painting. I'm going to be drawing. I'm going to be yes. reading. I'm yes. going to be traveling. Oh my Can God. we have, how do I make this yeah. happen? What is she doing? She's pulling weeds and going to the diner for breakfast every day. That's oh. what she does. <laughs> Um, so hell is full of dads comes out on Sunday morning. And yes, one of the first things I see when I look at my phone in the morning is new episode. Yes, right? yes, yes. And so this week though, there's no Cody, which is very sad for me because I love his anger because I can relate to this. Yes. Um, and so there's a whole dynamic on the podcast, like, like what we have, right? Like, yeah. so there's two different people, but it's like-minded and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Oh, there's wait, good... so who was on it this week? So his, so Cody's out, he works in television production yes. stuff. So he's out on location. He wasn't able to record when they recorded like last Saturday. Yes. So they had Barefoot's little brother, Randy on. Oh, that's fun. So fucking good. Oh. And you know, I love Cody. But uh, this episode is so super special. <gasps> and, you know, Barefoot's a star on his own, too. Yes. And his brother, um, they have the same laugh. Oh, really? So it's so funny to oh, hear I this. Hear I've it. only listened to 20 minutes. And I've already left Barefoot yes. a message. And I said, this is one of the best episodes you've ever done. Because their childhood, as much as, like, Barefoot romanticizes this childhood of, yes. like, we were dirt poor, but we had everything we needed, and our dad was right. the superhero and all this stuff, which he was. It sounds like even the brothers confirming, like, yeah. how great this the, their dad is. Um, they had some rough things happening um, with this... I mean, the stepmother was this oh, really rough and, and I not a good listen. figure in their life. I need to listen. And so Barefoot, when he talks about it on the podcast with Cody, it's not, it's not, it doesn't sound, you know, he doesn't really focus on that. He kind of blocks it almost. Yeah. The brother is like, oh, hell no. Like, this is how it bad it affected my life. And wow. so to hear them talk about it, it's it always... This is giving me chills. It's fucking amazing, Tina. And I, I was I like... I can't wait. I'm behind because oh, I was sick last weekend. Yes. And so I haven't oh, caught have up. To to um, I might jump ahead into this yeah. one. And he, I, you know, something that I've always talked about with Barefoot is how funny um, and amazing I think it is yes. that you can have all these kids raised in the same house. Yes. Siblings. And they all have different experiences. Like your brother, you and your brother had totally different experiences. Yes. Even the same moment. Like, do you remember when this thing happened? And his view of it is would be different than how, what your view of it was. Right. And that's what's happening in this conversation. I love that. Well, there's, what is the thing? It's a psychology thing where, where uh, you know, they, they give the scenario of like walking 
down a bridge Mm -hmm. into a town Mm -hmm. and you know how one person will notice all of this other thing and may not notice anything else that happens but another person walking that same bridge will have a completely different experience and it's just really interesting on like what we pick up on and what we don't and what's important or what hits you a certain way and it's kind of like how eyewitnesses aren't really that great because they don't remember shit but also like there was a thing which I thought was amazing I'm sorry this is total spoiler but you'll listen to it anyway but um I want everybody to go listen to it it's so good but they talk about um how they didn't know they were poor and like in high school they were volunteering for this Methodist church and they got on this bus to go drop off food to families for Thanksgiving and they pull up in front of their house (gasps) and they're like what the fuck are we doing here and that's the moment they both realized that they were poor oh my like they had no idea which is a a testament to the father yeah really oh my here like i'm covered in goosebumps right now this this episode is unbelievable i can't wait to listen it's unbelievable and you know what's interesting just you and I, I need to listen to the episode but you saying like this dynamic with the stepmother and mm. how hard barefoot seems to have worked to really establish a lovely working co-parenting mm. relationship yes um in the relationships that he has now with his ex and then mm-hmm. his current yeah wife um which maybe stemmed out of maybe. saying hey I don't want this for my kids and yeah. I want like a healthy yeah. boundaries and all of that right so that's but interesting. I, I have always thought it was funny how Barefoot thinks about Lovington, New Mexico, where he grew up. And the brother's like, I have no reason to ever go back there. Like, I don't ever wow. want to step foot in that town again, unless it's to see a sunset. And there's pretty, pretty sunsets ever in other places, too. Like, I have wow. no reason to ever go I back there. I can't wait to listen. Yeah, which is what Cody says. Cody, Hobbs must be near Lovington. So that's where Cody grew up. And ha- and he says when he thinks about Hobbs, he gets anxiety even thinking about going back wow. there. So t- the fact that Barefoot, like, it is his personality. Well, yeah, he's an to eternal totally be optimist. Like he is. You know? So I just, I have found it. I cannot wait to continue listening to it. Ooh. I'm telling you, this podcast is gold. People should be listening to Hell is Full of Dads. Oh, I fucking wait. love it. I can't wait. I love it so much. I, it is really, really good and funny. And Oh, it's so good. Um, I enjoy it. Yes. So also my other thing, because uh, we both have pretty medium long stories, I think, today, yes. is we are recording with uh, rep- former Representative Cindy Polo today. Yes. And that episode comes out this Friday, um, which is the 21st, May 21st. Yes. And I wanted to make sure everybody listens to it on Friday and check it out. It's uh, going to be, I already know it's going to be an amazing episode. She's, she's a pretty <laughs> remarkable woman. I'm I'm proud to call her a friend of mine and I met her when she announced and she was running for this seat. It's a Miami-Dade Broward, Florida house seat. And she was just a mom who had a a beautiful way of communicating her her passion on on every issue that affected her community. And she was elected and she fucking killed it for two years. And then unfortunately didn't get reelected in 2020. But her campaign was hard fought and she just had a lot against going against her. But she is a remarkable woman. Yes. And so I can't wait for everybody to hear it on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And then we have an interview coming up mm-hmm. for our show. Yes. And the Women Who Podcast Magazine. Which so you are an ed- the editor of I'm this magazine. editor there. <laughs> And I actually, um, I was excited because I got to interview a podcaster and, and do an article. How did that go? It went really, really well. Oh my gosh. I'm very excited. Who did you interview? I interviewed Alexandra Cole of Pod Broads. Nice. And she is 
amazing. Uh-huh. Everything about her is just uplifting the voices of women. And she oh has a blog that she's been working on where she just highlights female creators. I and, love this. And now she does that on her show. And she kind of dives into not just what your show is about, but with the personal lives behind the people behind the mic. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. So when are you going to interview me for the magazine? <gasps> Tina well, should interview Hillary. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're being interviewed by the, the founder of yes, the magazine, which yes. is so cool. Yeah, um, and she's amazing. P.S. There's something else I wanted to ask you about before, which I'm excited about this article, by the way. So thank you for all your work with that, Tina. Oh my goodness. So there's this, so in our Gmail for the muck, we get this email because <laughs> Tina's wants to promote the show oh, and get yes, it out there and yes, all this stuff. Yes, yes. So I see this email. It's like your podcast has been added and scheduled for just yes. one listen. And I'm like, just one listen. What the fuck is this? And it's like, Hey, I reviewed your podcast and this is the date your review yes. is going to come out. And it's this guy named J Mac. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Tina sent this out. I sent got it picked. Out. Yeah. So I, this week went to this guy's website oh, oh. and just was like randomly jumping around. Cause he, all he does for like seven or 10 minutes is, is review, review a podcast. Yes. But yes. what he he does is Uh-oh. the first one I jumped on. He was like, he goes to their website to get to just pull. He just starts playing episodes randomly, but he goes to their website. He's like, what the fuck is this? You haven't <laughs> put out a podcast episode in a year and you submitted to get reviewed. Like he starts in on these people. Oh, and I'm like, no, I start shaking in my boots. I was like, oh shit. Oh, what, shit. what did we do? Like, this well, so, us so this guy has been around. I think, I mean... No, he sounds like a real... He, like he's, he's been around in podcasting for years and years yeah. and years and years. And he has a lot of experience. And he has a lot of experience. And I was Honey. like, you know what? No, we got to do it. We got to do it. <laughs> if you it's believe it, in us to do it, listen. okay, okay. Because it's, he's, either gonna say, he's either gonna say there's too much talking at the beginning, rah, rah, yeah. rah, or he's gonna be like these motherfuckers are awesome, or he's yeah. gonna say they suck and fuck he you does. And but, say so but, I I was getting I was shaking listening to that. I was like, well at least we, okay. I'm like okay, well at least we have episodes out every week, right? Then I jumped to another one, and the way they described the podcast, it was like some of the podcast was like that, but the rest of it was reviewing like insurance having it going over insurance questions. And he's like, what the fuck is this? This isn't even what the podcast is about. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then he starts talking about your sound is bad and this and that. Oh and I was like, my oh. God. Like, what did we do? What did we do? So, oh, one of the, one of it. Was any, was were there funny. any good reviews? Uh, maybe I jumped to wrong ones, but oh, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> we went to this one and the guy's like, hello, welcome to da, 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 da. And he goes, my name is And he, you couldn't, you clear, you just couldn't understand what the guy said. Okay. He, he rewound the podcast oh, like six times. He goes, what's your name? What's your name? And he's rewinding it. And I was like, <laughs> like we're in so much trouble. Oh my God. And then I'm thinking like, what could he say about us? What is he going to say? Oh, he, I mean, listen, if he tears us apart and all he does is tear people apart, then people are going to go, this is the guy yeah. that just tears people apart. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm anxious. Now I like want to laugh and listen to yes. him talk about us. Oh, but my I, God. I, I, I just to, did it. You know, I wanted to write to you. And go, I know. Have you listened to this? I, podcast? I haven't. I <laughs> oh haven't. My God. But I just said, you know what? This is what he does. Yeah. Let's just do it. We got to get reviews out there, good or bad. You're right. We're, you, there's going to be some people that we're we've not had, their cup of tea. We've had great reviews before. We have had great reviews. Great reviews. And some people might say, eh. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and then He'd be you the don't first have to bad. listen. We've had plenty yes. of good fucking reviews. Yes. All right, bitch. And then why do we care? <laughs> why do we care? When, if he says we're great, we love you. Yeah. 
And if not, what if, if he? Oh my god! He gosh, says we're bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to go this before. No, no, because he said he's already done it. It's scheduled to come out. That's why I thought <gasps> we could say it because it's coming. He said he's already reviewed it and he scheduled it to come out on June 29th. Woo! Which, by the way, I'm like, that's too long. <laughs> Can you send us a preview? Like, what's happening? We, I, I just was like, thank you so much. Yeah, I know you wrote back, and I was like, what is wrong with you? You're I like, know. I hope you enjoyed descending into the muck with us. I was like, yeah, oh, uh, he's I, totally gonna rip us <laughs> apart. <laughs> Listen, we have to put ourselves out there. Yeah. We have to. P.S. On the Cardassians podcast, which you know, oh, I'm drinking from my Cardassians Ooh. mug again. They're, uh, they talk about us on their episode again this week. So Joe, of course, listens. He talks about the podcast. Nice. But now Nick is talking about how much he loves the, po- the muck podcast. Nick. And can I like, come on and talk about, yes. do they only do modern day Star Trek? No, they talk. Well, it's only Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I don't know that. But can't we do old Nick's, school? Nick says on the podcast, can't we, we got to have the 19... these girls come on here? And I'm like, yes, Listen, I told you, my mother and my brother were Trekkies. Yes. So by default, I well, have seen several okay. Star Trek episodes, but it was mainly like old school <laughs> Captain Kirk. Yes. So I can talk about like Trouble with the Tribbles, man. Okay, I, I can do it. I don't know what that means, but I'm here for See? it. And guys, I think, guys, you know, they talk about on the show nerd resume. So that's the first thing they're going to say when we get on there is what's your nerd resume. So you better have it stacked, which you have a pretty good like literary nerd resume, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And movies and movies. Probably some movies. They're super movie nerds. Ooh. So yes, let's do that. Oh like, my God. Can so we go the on the show? Is yes. So the answer is yes, Cardassians. We'll come on your show. <gasps> <laughs> yes honey all right let's get into this okay we gotta we, we gotta record what, you know what <laughs> i told my kids we're starting hard 10 o'clock hard 10 o'clock it's 10 30 all right my, i'm first yes um so i saw this story on an instagram page i forgot the name of, i get stories from this podcast before but it's basically going over like world events and things that have happened in history and this story was on there this week. So it's the 1985 bombing of the Move Black Liberation Group. Oh. Have you ever heard of this? No. Oh my God, Tina. Okay. Ooh. So the group's name is Move. It's not an acronym. Um, the founder is John Africa. And so he chose this name to say what they intended to do. Members intend to be active because they say, quote, everything that's alive moves. If it didn't, it would be stagnant and dead, end quote. Wow. When members greet each other, they say, on the move. That's what they say to each other. When the organization that would become MOVE was founded in 1972, John Africa was functionally illiterate. Um, He dictated his thoughts to Donald Glassy, a social worker from the University of Pennsylvania, and created what he called, quote, the guidelines as the basis of the communal group. Communal group. Okay. Um, Africa and mostly African-American followers wore their hair in dreadlocks as popularized by the Caribbean Rastafari movement. Uh, Move advocated a radical form of green politics and a return to a hunter-gatherer society while stating their opposition to science, medicine, and technology. Okay, so we've got Uh, all these folks living together, right? So members of MOVE identified as deeply religious and advocate for life. They believe that, uh, that all living beings are dependent. Their lives should be treated as equally important. They advocate for justice that is not always based within institutions. Okay. Okay. So, so without the stru- not really societal hot, structure kind of thing. We're not in on the government. Yeah. We're not here for the police, right? So MOVE members believe that for something to be just, it must be just for all living creatures. As John Africa had done, his followers changed their surnames to Africa to show reference to what they regarded as their mother continent. 
Okay. In a 2018 article about the group, Ed Pilkington of The Guardian described their political views as, quote, a strange fusion of black power and flower power. The group that formed in the early 1970s melded the revolutionary ideology of the Black Panthers with the nature and animal-loving communalism of the 1960s hippies, end quote. Okay. I I mean, I kind of like this. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. Right. Uh, He noted that the group also functioned as an animal rights advocacy organization. Pilkington quoted member Janine Africa, who wrote to him from prison. She said, quote, we demonstrated against puppy mills, zoos, circuses, any form of enslavement of animals. We demonstrated against Three Mile Island and and industrial pollution. We demonstrated against police brutality, and we did so uncompromisingly, uncompromisingly. Slavery never ended. It was just disguised, end quote. Mm. John Africa and his followers lived in a commune in a house owned by Glassy in the Powelton Village section of West Philadelphia. As activists, they staged bullhorn amplified profanity laced demonstrations against institutions that they opposed, such as zoos and speakers whose views they opposed. More move activities were scrutinized by law enforcement authorities, particularly under the administration of Mayor Frank Rizzo, a former police commissioner known for his hard line against activist groups. Okay, so here comes the first incident. Okay. The first incident is this shootout with the police. So in 1977, according to police accounts, the Philadelphia Police Department, or PPD, as I'm going to call them moving forward, obtained a court order for move to vacate the Powelton Village property in response to a series of complaints by the neighbors. Okay, so neighbors are like, you know, they're loud. They don't clean up after, like there's shit everywhere in the yard. Like they're just, and and they're on that bullhorn screaming, you know, at all hours of the night about all this shit, like in the neighborhood too, not just like at demonstrations. Oh, so just all the time, All the fucking time, yeah. And so they're like, you know, they're always saying they're a nuisance. We need them to get out of here. And so finally, and then you got this mayor who's an old police guy, right? And he's like, yeah, let's let's vacate them out of there. So um, move members agreed to vacate and surrendered their weapons if the PPD, uh, they agreed to it if the PPD released members of their group who were being held in city jails. So I don't know where you get the right to negotiate that, but okay. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, nearly a year later, on August 8th, 1978, the PPD came to a standoff with members of MOVE who had not left the Powelton Village property. When police attempted to enter the house, a shootout ensued. <gasps> PPD officer James J. Ramp was killed by a shot to the back of the neck. 16 oh, no. police officers and firefighters were also injured in the firefight. Not good. This is not good, right? Move representatives claimed that Ramp was facing the house at the time and denied that the group was responsible for his death, insisting that he was killed by fire from fellow police officers. Okay, so they're like, it wasn't our gunfire. It was just, he, you know, uh, friendly fire. Right. Okay. Prosecutors alleged that Move members fired the fatal shot and charged Debbie Sims Africa and eight other Move members with collective responsibility for his death. According to a 2018 article in The Guardian, quote, eyewitnesses, however, gave accounts suggesting that the shot may have come from opposite directions to the basement, raising the possibility that Ramp was accidentally felled by police fire. Move members continued to insist that they had no workable guns in the house at the time of the siege. I don't know how that's possible when you're shooting, but okay. Mm. Several months earlier in May 1978, several guns, most of them inoperative, had been handed over to the police at the Move house. However, prosecutors at the trial of the Move 9, which is what these nine folks were referred to, told the jury that at the time of the August siege, there had been functioning firearms in the house. 
The standoff lasted about an hour before move members began to surrender. Wow. So the nine long time for a fire. Come on. Hello. In a neighborhood. Yeah. The nine members of move charged with third were charged with third degree murder for ramps. Death became known as the move nine. Each was sentenced to a maximum. They found guilty a maximum of 100 years in prison. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. So their names were Chuck, Delbert, Eddie, Janet, Janine, Merle, Michael, Phil, and Debbie Sims, Africa. Because they all had the Africa last name. Okay. So this whole thing happens. Um, They've got to, obviously, the members that are left out here now that aren't in jail have to move. So in 1981, they relocated to a row house at 6221 Osage Avenue in the Cobbs Creek area of West Philadelphia. Neighbors there complained to the city for years about trash around their buildings, confrontations with neighbors, and bullhorn announcements of political messages at all hours of the night. Well, uh, I mean, why do that in the middle of the neighborhood? Like, I, I get if you're doing it at the rally or other places, but all hours of the night, you know... Yeah. People are still trying to work and it's a residential. Agi- and it agitates people. Yeah, it's a residential neighborhood. Yeah. So the police obtained warrants in 1985 charging four move occupants with crimes, including parole violations, contempt of court, illegal possession of firearms and making terrorist threats, which I think is kind of the thing, right? Like there's there's probably not, like you can't just vacate someone from a house for nothing. So they yeah. start looking into who's living there and how can we and get trying them out to find and, ways. Yeah. And so that's what they did. Mm. So Mayor Wilson Good, who was the very first black mayor of Philadelphia, and Police Commissioner Gregor J. Sambor, classified MOVE as a terrorist organization. I mean, that seems a little extreme. Yeah, it's all extreme. But (laughs) it's again, like they're looking. They're trying to find ways to dismantle this group somehow or or to get them to tone down or something. So the police evacuated residents of the area from the neighborhood prior to their actions. So now they're going to come in and they're going to try to vacate them from this new place. So the police go in and around this row house, they got like, I think a good like a mile out. They got everybody to vacate the area. Um, And the residents were told that they would be able to return to their homes within a 24 hour period. So, and then on Monday, May 13th, 1985, nearly 500 police officers. 500? Okay along with city manager Leo Brooks, arrived in force and attempted to clear the building and execute the arrest warrants. <gasps> well, they need 500 people to do it's, this? This is a little excessive. fucking insane. It's excessive. Too much. It's, it wait, it in gets a residential worse. neighborhood? It gets fucking worse. How? I don't understand. Uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's definitely, if you're worried about putting people on the defensive, showing up with 500 yeah. people, it's yeah. going to make people freak the hell out. Yeah. Um, water and electricity were shut off in order to force move members out of the house. Wow. Commissioner Sambor read a long speech addressed to the move members that started with, quote, attention, move. This is America. You have to abide by the laws of the United States, end quote. When the move, this, so they're in the house and this, this guy is outside yeah. saying this. When the move members did not respond, the police moved on the house, which consisted of eight adults and five children. <gasps> There was an armed standoff. 500 people for eight adults. Yeah. This is a little cuckoo. Yeah. This, the, this is, cr- how much did this cost the city? Oh, forget Jesus. About it. There was an armed standoff with police who lobbed tear gas containers at the building. <gasps> with the kids inside? Yeah. Oh, the goodness. move members fired at them and a gunfight with semi- semi-automatic and automatic firearms ensued. Oh, no. Police used more than 10,000 rounds of ammunition before Commissioner Sambor ordered that the compound be bombed. <gasps> You can't just bomb a house in a residential neighborhood. They did. Bombed it. 
there's wow. kids inside yeah so this is like waco but in the middle of a philadelphia yeah right like in the middle of no. a philadelphia neighborhood yeah no 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 so from a police state police helicopter philadelphia police department lieutenant frank powell proceeded to drop two one pound bombs <gasps> made of fbi supplied tovex a dynamite substitute targeting a fortified bunker like cubicle on the roof of the house no dropped it in no now from what accounts that i've read uh they were in the basement because they were waiting for the police to come in so they were like hiding in the basement when all this started happening okay so above them is a bomb these bombs drop on. and the whole oh fucking place shakes and i've read accounts i i didn't get the i didn't put the quotes in the story but there was people like who had evacuated were waiting to get back to the houses and the houses are shaking they're yeah. outside of where they're supposed to be they could feel it a mile away they could feel the sh- the, the the shaking of the buildings my right god it's incredible it was incredible um and i don't know what they were thinking so they're in the basement i mean is everything collapsing in on top of them well so here's what happens so a fire starts oh my god in the in the building and they're down there so the ensuing fire because they couldn't get out. Oh, well, they goodness. tried to get out. And from uh, there's accounts that the police were shooting at people trying to get <gasps> out. Okay? So they couldn't get out. Even though police said that didn't happen, they were saying they couldn't get out because, of, like, they're, you know, there's a fire. You yeah. try to run out. No, they couldn't. So the ensuing fire killed 11 <gasps> of the people in the house. John Africa, who was the main guy, and then five other adults and five children Oh from se- age all, 7 that's to 14. That's all the kids. Yeah, from age 7 to 14. Oh, no. Then, so this is like... So only two terrible. survived. Yeah, two people got out. Then the fire spreads <gasps> and eventually destroys approximately 65 <gasps> nearby houses. No! Yeah. Because then after the fire breaks out, firefighters were held back and told not <gasps> to use their hoses. So... They didn't turn on a hose until an hour and a <gasps> half after the bomb was dropped. So wait till you see these pictures. I wish I had one in my phone right now. Five homes. Did anyone else There's, die or or? No, or no, oh, thank just God. Just in that building. But you but should see the pictures. Are gone. An entire neighborhood block was burned to the wow. ground. Burned to the ground. Wow. Hello. No. Tina. Please tell me that they got thrown out of office and that. Well, that, let's get into this. Oh God. So Mayor Good later testified at a 1996 trial that he had ordered the fire to be put out only after the bunker had burned. Well, why would you risk Which other was that people? thing at the top? Yeah, but... I have no idea. Sambor, who was he, And he's not a firefighter. Wouldn't you listen to, like, and the firemen yeah, and say, listen, yeah, listen, like, we're going to have a major catastrophe if you don't yeah. let us in there. Yeah. Firefighters should step up and say, you don't know what's yes. best. Yes. The police commissioner, Sambor, said that he received the order, but the fire commissioner testified that he did not receive the order. So nobody told him to start putting out the fire. Do you need someone to Could tell you? Can you imagine? It's like but the you three need someone, But you need someone to tell you. Yeah. They're all pointing. You're looking at a fire and you need someone to go, hey, man, go uh, yeah. take that fire out. It's spreading to the next house. Give me a break. I mean, they're like all pointing fingers at each oh other. Oh, my God. People fucking died. Yeah. Oh, great. So Ramona Africa, one of the two move survivors from the house, said that the police fired at those trying to escape, like I told oh, you earlier. Goodness. Mayor Good appointed an investigative commission called the Philadelphia Special Investigation Commission, um, chaired by William H. Brown III. Sam Bohr, the police commissioner, he resigns in November 1985. In a speech the following year, he said that he was made a surrogate by Good, which means he wasn't really, she really shouldn't have been there. No, no, no. Give me a break. Yeah. 
Bruce Kaufman from Philadelphia Special Investigation Commission interviewed William Richmond, the, F- the Philadelphia Fire Commissioner at the time, in which he brought up the fact that the water hoses were not turned on and the fires were deliberately left to burn, which, which Richmond ad- admitted. But why? I mean, I get it. Like, I think it has to do with what was happening with this group. This this police officer was killed. Yeah, you know, I get a few that. But that, but why do all of these other people in this neighborhood have to suffer for right. that? Right. Well, these people in the neighborhood were fucking outraged. They were outraged. That's their they, they were told to evacuate for twenty four hours. They come back, their house is burned oh into my the ground. God. Oh my god! Could you imagine? Oh my god! Every they lost everything. Everything. Uh, the MOVE Commission issued its report on March 6, 1986. The report denounced the actions of the city government, stating that dropping a bomb on an occupied row house was unconscionable. The follow- following, yeah, think, yeah, I follow- mean, come on. <laughs> following the release of the report, Good made a formal public apology. Oh, that's nice. I guess we need the report to come out yeah. first for that to happen. Yeah. No one from wow. the city government was criminally charged. <gasps> in the Please tell me that he got kicked out of office. Yeah, yeah, mayor. No, he's Thank out. God. He doesn't, he doesn't last long. The only surviving adult move member, again, was Ramona Africa. She was charged and convicted on charges of riot and conspiracy Conspiracy after this event. After this event. <gasps> they, she survived the fire her. and they fucking arrest her. But they went to her. Yeah. But she was charged with this because of what was happening. And she served seven years in prison. Wow. Meanwhile... Uh, let me cut back to something else. Remember all of those, the move nine who all went to prison for a hundred years or whatever? Right. Some of those children that died, their mothers were in prison. Oh, so they no. like a, like a prison guard came to them and was like, I, ha- I hate to tell you this, but oh. your kids just burned up in a fire. And they're like now having to deal with this grief of losing a child who they oh, think is safe my somewhere. My God. Right. Come on. Oh, my God. In 1996, a federal jury ordered the city to pay a $1.5 million civil suit judgment to the survivor, Ramona Africa, and Good. relatives of two people who were killed in the Good. bombing. The jury had found that the city used excessive force and violated the members' constitutional protections against unreasonable search and seizure. They and, dropped a bomb. Oh, my God. On a house. This, and, then, and then in 1985, Philadelphia was given the name, quote, the city that bombed itself. Wow. End quote. In I I can't believe I've never I know heard of this. It just had this anniversary. I mean, the fact that we're like in America, yeah. Someone is. Dro- I mean, that's what you hear in, in these war torn countries, like yeah. uh, you know, bombs being dropped and all of this stuff happening. But Philadelphia, this is it's yeah. But this is in the 80s, blowing my wasn't mind. That long ago. Yeah. No, it's not that long ago at all. Um, in 2005, federal judge Clarence Charles Newcomer presided over a civil trial brought by residents seeking the residents that lived, the, had their houses burned, seeking damages for having been being displaced by widespread destruction following the oh 1985 police bombing. A jury awarded them $12.83 million verdict against the city of Philadelphia. Good. Um, in November 2020, the city council, Philadelphia city council approved a resolution to formally apologize for the move bombing. 2020 wow (laughs) oh my god wow the measure also established an annual day of quote observation reflection and recommitment on may 13th the anniversary of the bombing wow because it was just wasn't it just the 36th anniversary last month like it was this is incredible yeah it was may so just a few days ago still exists they the move is still there and they they have a whole event that they have a reflection and all that um okay so after, let's go to everyone starts coming out of prison from the Move 9. So in 1998, at the age of 47, Merle Africa died in prison. Oh, Seven of the surviving eight members first became eligible for parole in the spring of 2008, but they were denied. 
parole hearings for each of these prisoners were to be held yearly from that time on. So in 2015, at age 59, Phil Africa died in prison. The first of the Move 9 to be released was Debbie Sims Africa on June 16th, 2018. And uh, she was sentenced, she had been sentenced to 22 years, or so she was sentenced at 22 and was released on parole um, uh, and reunited with her 39-year-old son, Michael, who was one of, he was the other person who survived. Yeah. He was, I think, a teenager at the time of that, that fire. Um, or like just 18 or something. Yeah. So she gave birth to him a month after she was imprisoned. Wow. And they took him from her like a week later. Oh, so baby. the release of Debbie since Africa, Africa renewed attention on members of move and the black Panthers who remain imprisoned in the U S from the period of 1960s to the 1970s. And there were at least 25 still in prison as of June, t- 2018. Wow. Um, on t- October 23rd, 2018, Michael Davis, Africa, the husband of De- Debbie Sims, Africa was released on parole. Um, in May, 2019, Janine and Janet Africa were released on parole after 41 years of imprisonment. Oh my God. How do you, how do you readjust to life after that? I don't know. It's where do you go? You know, on June 21st, 2019, Eddie Goodman, Africa was released on parole. Delbert Africa was granted parole on December 20th, 2019 and released, uh, and released from parole on January 18th, 2020. The last of the move nine, either to be paroled or to die behind bars was Chuck Sims, Africa, who was released on parole on February 7th, 2020 after 41 years of imprisonment. Um, and here's this other thing. So this is the last thing, but, uh, since the bombing, the bones of two children, 14 year old tree, what's her name? Tree and 12 year old Delisha were kept at the university of Pennsylvania museum of archeology span and anthropology. Why? Well, nobody really knew where their bones were because, well, let's, well, let's get into this. So in 2021, WHYY TV's Billy Penn revealed that according to the museum, the remains had been transferred to researchers at Princeton through the though the university was unaware of their exact whereabouts. But but research for what? So I think that they were they were just given to them as probably property. What what ends up happening? Let me get into this. Okay, so the remains had been used by Janet Mong, an adjunct professor in anthropology at the University of Pennsylvania, and a visiting professor in the same subject at Princeton in videos for an online forensic course as case studies. Present day, um, but, but case studies of like bones after a bombing or bo- I like, think so. It, but and but these they are didn't children, know children's didn't bones. Know that, yes, and they didn't get permission from the family. So here's I the mean, here's the fucked up part: is that um, they were unclaimed because their parents were in prison. Oh, God. so nobody came to claim these. So they're these like, bones. oh, let's just use them well, at the a city, university. The city Come just on. If a university is looking for like a yeah. cadaver or something yeah. like that, like let's no, say it's I, a homeless person that. or whatever, like that. that's what this was. So present day move members were shocked to learn this because this just happened I mean, that's in 2021. T- that's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, and they said, quote, they were bombed and burned alive and now you want to keep their bones. Yeah. Come on. Um, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. So in May 2021, the city of Philadelphia's health commissioner, Thomas Farley, resigned after it was revealed, revealed that he he cremated and disposed of victims' remains without either identifying them or contacting members of the family. Come on! Oh, it's like such disregard. I know. And that's the thing. Just because someone is in prison doesn't mean they lose their dignity mm. or their humanity. Like, they still deserve respect. These were kids. And that's their children. Come on. That is just horrible he deserves yeah. to lose his job for that yes come on so that's the bombing oh my god <laughs> the 1985 bombing in the middle of philly philly wow 
shocking. That was a good story, but so terrible. I know. Terrible. I'm anxious to hear what you said because when you texted yesterday, you said you were very excited. And I'm thinking, oh, she must be doing something good. Oh, I. Is it somebody I would know? I don't know. I don't think. I didn't. No, I didn't remember this guy. Oh. Well, I'm anxious to hear. I mean, I love going first. I like so going. I can relax. See, honey. it's same thing, same thing. Because then you just chill the rest of the episode. Yes, let's hear it. Now I can just sit uh, back and try to be as funny as possible. <gasps> Turn on the charm, You're bitch. Always charming. <laughs> All right. Today I'm going to tell you the story of former Los Angeles County Sheriff Leroy Lee Baca. Okay. So Lee Baca served as sheriff beginning with his election to office in 1998, and he gained criticism for accepting gifts and hiring friends, but. Mm. When he obstructed an FBI investigation, Baca couldn't back his way out of a looming jail sentence. <laughs> All Ooh, right. Very good. So our I, story- oh, by the way, I love your podcast shirt. That's a PodFest oh. Uh, oh, free yes. shirt. Oh, yes. It's a free shirt from PodFest. Damn it. I love that PodFest. I know. We're going next year. Hello. That's yes. it. I've already All got right. my tickets. Ooh. Our story takes place in Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. home of celebrities. And we'll see that our boy Baca was kind of blinded by those Hollywood lights sometimes mm-hmm. and really kind of into doing favors for celebrities just because they're celebrities. Yeah. And I'm going to go through some of his background and some controversies he faced throughout his career. And then I'll get into the crime that he was accused of. Okay. So Baca was the child of an immigrant mother and in a profile on Baca that aired on the Madeline Brand show, he noted that he was almost given up into foster care because his mother struggled raising him and mm. not only him, but had several children. I think it was three children and his paternal grandmother at the last minute was like, no, 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 I'll take him in. And he ended up being raised by her. And according to Baca, she taught him compassion and kindness. He even noted, quote, Kindness is actually the greatest strength on earth. And the article outlines some of his sort of compassionate approaches to policing. Mm. So, for example, he once wanted the sheriff's office to build a homeless shelter so that there could be a place for people getting out of jail Mm. um, that didn't have anywhere to go. He reached out to Muslim communities after 9-11 and even attended annual fundraisers for the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Mm. And... At the time, yeah. people were, oh. you know, right after 9-11 for a sheriff to be doing yeah. that. They, no, that's huge. It, it was a big controversy. Yeah. Um, but he was a bit of an enigma because on issues like immigration, as a child of an immigrant, he still supported a program called Secure Communities that would work to deport undocumented immigrants at a rapid clip. Hmm. And his own mother was undocumented when she first came here as an infant. And he was quoted as saying, well, when she came, things yeah. were different. She mm. was able to gain citizenship. There's always an excuse. Always some sort. But I just found it Marco interesting Rubio. that he was kind of like, oh, honey, you know, progressive on some issues, but super conservative on other issues. And he was, you know, he he was known of really kind of pissing off Democrats and Republicans at, I feel at like various times shame, in his career. There's like a some sort of a shameful thing there. Like they, they don't, they, yes. Okay. My mom was undocumented, but look at what we've done. And right. now it's like, a, but there's a part of a shame or something that they carry with them. Well, and so then I they, now they're a shame, it. but it's sort of like, well, we, we yeah. were able to do this, that right. and the other. So why can't someone else? Right. And it's like, well, you're Even not though, looking at 
what the policies were in place that allowed right. for these things to happen. Right. And now they're not the same anymore. And your mom didn't walk in the door the, the, the quote unquote, yeah. quote, right way. Right. Right. The legal way. Right. And you still were able to be successful. Right. So how about and go you to college? Like I mean, yeah. the guy has a PhD. If your mother hadn't done that. Right. Then what? Yeah. Well, I mean, his mom was a baby, so her family bringing right. her over. Well, same thing. Same. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Your grandparents. Like, why Why can't you ever look back and see? Is it only, why they came. Why is it only good enough for you? Right. For your That's for always, how, that's always yeah. the way. It's fucked up. So according to several sources, including Freeman's LA Magazine article, early on as sheriff, that I thought this was really funny, uh, Baca decides to implement this celebrity law enforcement program. <laughs> Where celebrities Uh-oh. could get badges is and this guns. Is Shaq? Is Shaq in this? Remember when Shaq was the sheriff? Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> it was really good. There's good videos of Shaq. Oh and my sheriff. god! But basically, some low-end celebrity ends up like brandishing a gun outside of his home, and the program sort of fizzles out because it's Do we like know who it is. That, that would be funny. Um, it was somebody that like owned a farm. It was so, oh no, it was not a name that was familiar mm. at all. And Newsweek further explained that the celebrity unit let them carry a gun and wear an official badge Jeez. after they took a 64-hour course and passed a background check. Oh, my Can God. Can you imagine? This is Elvis, by the way. Elvis would have been like, I'll just take the badge. Yeah, it's, it's wild, though, but yeah. that's not that much training. And just because you're a celebrity, <laughs> now you get to carry a gun and a badge. It's Looney Tunes. Did it work? I mean, did it help? What he was, did it help promote? No, the, well, because that one guy, guy early on kind of messed everything up. Yeah. So celebrities really seemed to be his thing. And Newsweek also reported that Baca hung out with some stars back in the day. So he'd go on golf outings with Michael Douglas. Mm. He got campaign money from Rupert Murdoch, Les Moonves, Sylvester Stallone, Dustin Hoffman, and Steven Seagal. Dang. Ben Affleck. Um, and what about this resurgence of Benefer? Oh, I, uh, how uh, weird. I have to tell you. I find this incredibly hot. I, I don't like, know what, what is, going is going on. Me neither, but honey. I saw Ben Affleck and I, I was like, oh, Benefer's back. <laughs> I see one more picture of Jennifer Lopez coming out of a Miami gym with, gym with her abs exposed. I might Let fall me tell off my you, fucking she's chair. She's beautiful. She does not Stunned. age. It's amazing. She's stunning. So Wait he, a minute. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait. I'm not done talking about this. Oh, oh. Now these two are fucking around in Montana or something. Yeah. Like secretly fucking somewhere. It is Let so it happen. incredibly go, hot. Go on, Benefer. It is so fuck. What is? Ooh. Why is this so hot? I don't you know. You know why else? Because he seems like a big dummy. He does seem like a but big. But he probably he, can fuck. And that's maybe, probably why I'm maybe. like, and she's walking around with this body. Hot. I can't get I mean, it. I can't dancer, get out of my so head. Forget it. If there's any two people I'd ever want to get back together, it's these two fucking Benifer. knuckleheads. Make another bad movie. <laughs> Let's see it. Geely part two. Oh no. These two dummies. How funny. Oh my God. So, um, I, I want to see, I want, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I know, still here. Know, I'm still I here. I want to see a leaked porn tape. Like I want to oh see. Oh my everything. god! I don't know if I want to see that. Wait, hold on. Think about how hot that is. Yeah. I'm I'm so stuck maybe, on these two. Maybe. I don't know what it is. Oh dear god! And I don't care about them in any other fucking way. I, I don't, don't care either. about them. Like they're but together. Okay, I, I'm yes. in this. I'm in this relationship. Well, they are like in it. They are back. Also, call me. I'm down for thruple situation. Oh I am, my god, you're really I'm, going I'm crazy you, with the benefer. I'm fucking, I'm fucking in the benefer. Benefer Lurie. That's oh, what we're gonna be oh, called. Benefer Lurie. I like it. Oh my god. Sorry, you derailed me. I, I did. My fault. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. So Ben Affleck even got a concealed weapons permit from Baca back in 1999. So he, oh my god. you know. 
he was all about this, um, you know, celebrity special treatment kind of thing. And especially when they were arrested. And so two specific Mm. celebrities that he kind of like that were big at the time that he was involved with was Paris Hilton and Mel Gibson when they were arrested. Oh my God. So um, I'm going to give a little bit of the Paris background. So a Chronicle article reported that Baca let Paris leave jail early after just three days in jail to be on house arrest, but without approval of the court or anything. Like he just was like, Oh yeah, she has some mental health issues. I'm going to let her go home. And the judge and other people are like, no, she's supposed to serve X amount of time and they make her go back. And there's like the, where she's crying in court because they make her like have to go back to jail. What is wrong with him? Yeah. Well, because he's like, well, you know, I think he's he's a star. Yeah, this is it. And then Mel Gibson. So according to Thomas Crane's San Antonio law blog in 2006, do you remember this? Gibson gets arrested for drunk Oof, driving. Do I remember the tape, honey? Yes. Oh my and he God. goes on that rant. Oh, it's awful. And he's accusing the arresting officer of being Jewish. Ooh. He was. And then he starts flipping out saying things like, quote, the Jews are responsible for all the wars in the world and all of this other horrific thing. This, of course, ends up leading to a discrimination lawsuit from that deputy. Good. And an ABC News 7 article noted that the deputy's attorney was going to possibly call Baca to prove that the department covered up Gibson's behavior mm. because of his relationship with the department. And a Daily News article also reported that cops drove Gibson to pick up his tote. So he gets arrested for drunk driving. Then they're like, oh, we'll drive you to get your car. And oh they drive 11 and a half miles. Like, who gets that treatment? Nobody. And Nobody. also, like... Come on. And you're not... The so- fact <laughs> that Mel Gibson has continued to make movies is yes. fucking beyond me. I know. Another one that people defend. Get the fuck yes. out of here. Always Goodbye. defending this guy. Anti-Semite? Get yes. the fuck out. And the article also noted that Gibson's behavior wasn't really outlined in reports, which was troublesome, too. So Ooh. Baca denied sanitizing the reports. But it does appear that this preferential treatment may have been a thing. So in the reports, they're trying to say like, oh, he didn't do this and that. And you can't do that on the recording. And you have an officer who's been exposed now to harassment. And that's that's not right. That's not right. He ended up he ended up winning. um, It wasn't he went after a huge uh, settlement, but I think he only ended up getting like 50 grand or something because he was never fired from his job. The deputy, Mm. he had been promoted to different things, so he couldn't prove that like that incident Did he sue gibson he sued the police department oh, okay. because of all the stuff that the was cover up and, all and he that. was saying that as a result of what happened with mm-hmm. that with gibson like that he sort of was harmed in his career yes! in some way oh well this so, grand is still something what happened mm. according to several articles baka had a problem in his prisons specifically in terms of violence against inmates and overall treatment of inmates in his jails Baca, of course, denied all of these claims. In fact, in that interview with Brand, Baca said that those incarcerated, quote, deserve to be respected, not for the crimes they've committed, but for the humanity that they have. Mm. But several inmates, as we'll see, did not experience the kindness and compassion Baca viewed as so important in life, nor did they receive humane treatment. Oh, God. So back in 2010, the ACLU and other organizations called for a federal investigation into what was happening in the men's central jail. And according to Witness LA, the feds in 2011 had heard several concerning stories from inmates, but they need to prove those allegations. So how is Baca involved? 
So not only is he sort of demonstrating failed leadership to allow this to happen in his prison, because that's the thing, like the buck stops here. Like you are in charge of, you are the sheriff, you are the elected official. And if this is happening in your jails and you even get wind of it, you need to go in and say, guys, this is not what we do. Yeah. And you're fired and you're fired and like, you know, do something about it. But he doesn't do that. And he tries to act like he didn't know what was going on. It reminds me of what happened here in Broward. So this woman, Tammy uh Jenkins that's not right Tammy Johnson oh my god Hillary oh god god forgive me but right. she a mentally ill she yes. gives birth gives in, birth the in the prison alone yes after screaming for hours and hours for someone to fucking help her they didn't get her any medical treatment the woman gives birth in a cell by herself and then they she starts to get medical treatment that happens Nothing is done. They Nothing fired is the done. Peop, the medical people who worked at that, like an outside third party that worked there. Those folks got fired, but not one deputy in that fucking jail right. got fired. And they heard her scream. Tammy Jackson. Give me, Tammy, Tammy Jackson. Jackson. Give God, me a break. Thank you. And then it had to. It wasn't until the next session where Chevron Jones goes to to Representative Jones goes to Tallahassee and passes a bill for the Digni- Dignity Act that uh, women in prisons get respected and you, 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 and, and you, do you if believe, they're pregnant they're but, given more treatment. Do you believe that it took until twenty twenty? For yes. something like that to pass, that that that, that isn't happen. just a thing. And let me tell you something Wild. else. Let me tell you why that was important. Because after that bill was passed and signed into law by the governor, Governor DeSantis, like a, a month or two later, another it happened, it happened again, again in Broward Jail. Another yeah. woman gave birth, and guess what? Now the sheriff fires them because I guess because it's in the law. Yeah, and he, there's no like, well, we'll investigate. No, now there's a law where if this happens, they're fired. Right. So you Good. know, give me a break. All right. So sorry, it's okay. According to the SB Sun, Baca lied on tape mm. and said he didn't know any civil rights violations or abuse was occurring at the prison. But the feds call him up one day and basically say, look, we've confiscated a phone from an inmate who turned informant. Ooh. So we have some evidence <gasps> that, you know. Jailhouse rats. Yes. Yes, honey. So not only did he lie, but... He allegedly ordered his underlings to hide the inmate informant from the FBI. What? And that he also intimidated an agent involved in the investigation. So he hid a human being from the feds. <sighs> Holy shit. <laughs> so the article, I was like, what in the hell? So the article notes that he worked closely with his undersheriff, uh, Paul Tanaka, to obstruct this investigation. Mm. So the FBI basically set up an inmate with a cell phone so that he could document what was happening in the jail, which for years allegedly was engaging in inmate abuse. And according to the U.S. Department of Justice, in August 2011, officers find the cell phone, right? And then when they're looking into the sky, like looking into the phone, they discover like, oh, shit, this is linked to the FBI's civil rights squad. (gasps) So they're like, oh, no. Like, like, and they get pissed off because they're like, how dare the feds investigate us? Oh, of course. Yeah. So they make, they must've been freaking out when they saw like what line that, that phone was going to. Oh my God. So what does Baca do? You know, does he say, damn, we're busted? Does he take any accountability? No, he spends weeks trying to hide things. 
And he begins, according to that same release, to not only hide the informant from the feds, but he engaged in witness tampering and actually threatened to arrest the lead FBI agent. What? False in the Yeah, case. that's going to work. Let that, that'll work oh out. Oh, my it's, God. You know what it is? It's that, it's that short, <laughs> quick thing. What can I do right now? Yes. I'm going to arrest this yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm going to arrest this guy. Think, and they think, all thought, wait like, five minutes. can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, they probably were like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Give me a break. So another Naley, uh, sorry. So another Daily News article by Susan Abrahams explained that the way that he wanted to make this guy, like, how do you make this inmate disappear? Mm. So they, it wasn't like we're going to physically hide him, but we're going to remove him from the system, right? right? On paper. So there wouldn't be a paper trail to lead the feds to the, import, to the informant. Yeah. And a New York Times article further reveals that the plan would involve throwing off the feds by having the inmate booked under a different name. Whoa. So then he couldn't be found anymore. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, this is so scary. It's, it's very scary. I mean, you have no, your rights are gone. Like gone. Nobody, nobody knows who you are. It's like one of those yes. movies where they erase your identity. Yes. Holy fuck. It was crazy. So, and this is what was happening. All this to hold on to power, by the way. Yeah. Um, and this, this is what was happening according to an excerpt of a 2011 ACLU report printed in a California Policy Center article. And I want to read this sort of verbatim because it's, it's shocking and awful. Mm. Um, and you can hear like the severity of what was happening under this guy's watch. And this is just one year. This isn't all the incidents. Oh my gosh. So in the past year, deputies have assaulted scores of non-resisting inmates, according to reports from jail chaplains, civilians, and inmates. Mm. Deputies have attacked inmates for complaining <gasps> about property missing from their cells. They have beaten inmates for asking for medical treatment. Mm. For the nature of their alleged offenses and for the color of their skin. Mm. They have been, they have beaten inmates in wheelchairs. <gasps> they have beaten an inmate, paraded him naked down a jail module and placed him in a cell to be sexually assaulted. What? Many attacks are unprovoked. Nearly all go unpunished. These acts of violence are covered up by a department that refuses to acknowledge the pervasiveness of deputy violence in the jail system holy shit and that's just like one from this 2011 oh, ACLU my god can you imagine no get the fuck so, out and he's this is what he's trying to cover up yes not stop it from no, happening not no stop why it. why do the I right know, thing and right. say oh whoops <laughs> and fire these these deputies fucking a bro so the ACLU published a timeline of abuse, which is going to be posted in our notes. So you can go through and see sort of the level of atrocities and see the timeline of like when this started and, 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 and how long mm -hmm. it went on. So former FBI head Tom Parker reflected, quote, I have never seen anything that approaches the level of violence mm. that currently infects the Los Angeles County jail system. Jesus. Can you imagine? Well, you know, you've done... Uh, you've done a couple of stories about abuse in jails. It's, it's terrible. This is, ter this, this I is mean, terrible. they're always bad. They're this always is always bad. bad. So as the investigation continued, Baca resigned in January 2015, according to Celeste Freeman. And the charges, and this was according to NBC Connecticut, he was charged with conspiring to obstruct justice, mm. obstructing justice, and lying to the federal government. Whew. So what's interesting is that, according to Susan Abram of the Daily News, Baca had a plea deal on the table. Mm. But the judge, U.S. District Judge Percy Anderson, didn't accept it. <laughs> and an SB Sun article noted that the judge felt that the sentencing, so they put this plea deal and it was like, okay, yes, I'll admit to this, that, and the other, mm -hmm. six months in jail. And the district judge was like, no, six months is too late. I'm not... 
good. Gina. And I was like, yes, Dang, I man. appreciate. Yes. Because we do these stories all the time where we, on the federal level that these people get off with like no jail time. And then mm-hmm. you see the hundred years that the people got yes. in your story, right? Yes, yes. But federal politicians, these elected officials get off like really easy. So I really appreciated that this judge was challenging Baca and saying, no, you're not going to get off with just six months after what you've been doing. Yeah. You've tortured people. Yeah. So I, I like that. So the other thing that I thought was funny was that Abrams Daily News article noted that Baca then withdrew his guilty plea and decided to face the courts. Right. But he would have taken the deal for six yeah. months in jail. But now he's all about clearing his good name. Oh. <laughs> I was like, come on. Yeah. And he said, quote, I made this decision due to untruthful comments about my actions made by the court and the U.S. attorney's office that are contradicted by evidence in this case. Mm. Please. Yeah. Give me a break. So in the end, according to KPCC of Southern California, officers during trial turned on him. <gasps> Ooh. And said they were only following his orders. Oh shit! Yeah, it's like a, what was that? That is turning on him. That code sure. red and a few good men. Like I was only doing what they told me to do. Oh my god! So he ends up at the end, according to the U.S. Department of Justice uh, and the U.S. Attorney's Office, of uh, getting sentenced to thirty-six months in prison, mm. federal prison, and a seven thousand five hundred dollar fine. So the Citizens Commission, made up of retired U.S. District judges, had this to say: "Quote." The problem of excessive and unnecessary force in the Los Angeles County jails was the result of many factors, beginning most fundamentally with a failure of leadership in the department. Simply stated, the sheriff did not pay enough attention to the jails until external events forced him to do so. And then according to the U.S. Department uh, of Justice, uh, their press release, Judge Anderson said that Baca, quote, knew what he was doing was wrong and he had no problem using his office to further his own agenda. Blind obedience to a corrupt culture has serious consequences. Mm. Yeah. And then U.S. Attorney Sandra Brown, Sandra Brown concluded, quote, rather than fulfill his sworn duty to uphold the law and protect the public, Lee Baca made a decision to protect what he viewed as his empire. Yeah. And then he took actions in an effort to simply protect himself. He wore the badge, but ultimately he failed the department and the public's trust. Today's sentence demonstrates that no one is above the law, not even the leader of the largest municipal police agency in the nation. Dang! Goodbye! Oh, shit. I love these quotes. Ooh. I read these motherfuckers. Yes. <laughs> so the aftermath. So while Baca was sentenced in 2017 because of appeals, which he eventually lost, he doesn't head to prison to begin his three-year term until February 2020. Mm-mm. And COVID. Baca was no spring chicken. Oh, shit. So when he Here heads into go. prison, he's 77. And in 2020, like you said, we have the coronavirus. And he, like many other prisoners, were requesting to either not be sent to jail or to be released early and all (laughs) of this. Wow, the nerve. But his request was denied. And U.S. District Judge Percy Anderson said, hey, I agree, 77, you're going to be at risk. But releasing you doesn't guarantee any less risk, noting, quote, Mm. sadly, there is no safe location. There isn't. And you know what else? The jails was running rampant with COVID. Yeah. And some people in your jails, motherfucker, were treated pretty badly. Yeah. So if you don't, if you get COVID and that's the least thing that fucking happens to you, you'd be lucky. I mean. So go fuck yourself. And that's not to say like the prison should be doing everything possible to maintain COVID guidelines and all of that. Of course. But you know, 
Nobody you don't gives get a, a pass. pass. You and, don't get a nobody pass. Cares Why about do you get a pass? Nobody cares about people in jail. They don't care. They should they be treated humanely. Absolutely. Does that happen? Never. Never. It so, doesn't. So of course, if COVID's happening, people out out here don't even give a fuck. Yeah. This CDC thing is blowing my fucking oh, mind. By the way, I know. Well, oh, don't wear a mask. What? All right, get I know. Story. Let's talk about it at the end. Let's talk okay. About <laughs> so according to Abram of the SB Sun, Baca faced a civil lawsuit filed from someone awaiting trial on lewd acts with a child. So allegedly, what? so there was this guy who was arrested for um, performing lewd acts on a child, but Ugh. he hadn't gone to court yet, right? And the man was beaten, punched, kicked, tased. The injuries were so severe that he was left with head trauma and fractures. Jesus. Now the man was ultimately convicted, right? And I hate child molesters and child predators. I would love to see them all suffer, but... The thing is, Mm-mm. the guy was not yet convicted. And all of us, even the most horrible among us, right, have the right to trial. Yes. And yes. have the right to sit in a jail cell and yes. not have our head fractured. Because here's the thing. Because where does the line get drawn? And then and, and then, who decides who yeah. gets beaten and who doesn't? Like you can't well, like that's why we have also, laws. But you you're right. And you also can't do that. You have to restrain yourselves as yes, officers. Like you can't because abuse if you your fuck power. this up. And you abuse, you do this. He could say, I've been abused. Right. And he will get let go. And they will let him walk free. Well, he ended up being convicted, but he did, I believe, win um, a settlement. Of course. This was one of the first times, though, that someone in a high position like the sheriff, so it's not like, like, not only did they sue, like, I'm going to sue the sheriff's department, but suing Lee Baca personally. Good. In a civil case. Yes. You know? And so he was like, okay. Even, uh, he didn't physically assault the guy, right? But those men were under his watch. And so he agreed to pay, um, I forget what the total was. It was like a couple hundred thousand dollars. And he agreed, uh, agreed to pay a hundred thousand of that. But then um, he starts disputing it once it's time to like pony up the oh, money, Jesus. of course. So according to the New York Times, um, the new sheriff, Jim McDonald, planned to make sweeping changes that included training for guards and firing of guards found to use excessive force mm. and other structural revisions that would improve the prisons and end the abuse that had went on for years. So okay. all of that is like the aftermath. So some points of interest. I found several articles that discussed Baca's ties with Scientology. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, God, help me. One article was pretty interesting because it looked at how Baca was allegedly pushing this program called Narconon, uh. which is like this sort of say no to drugs program and also a recovery program. But it was a front to promote Scientology ideology. Mm. And he was like trying. I mean, it was like getting into school systems and things like that. And the issue was that he's endorsing this Narconon and pushing it. After Narconon had been banned in three other states for misleading and inaccurate information. Yeah. So like, you know, but he's just pushing it because he's sort of in the Scientology world. Mm. And there was a ton of Scientology advertising that used Baca's name and image as sheriff. And he served as a (gasps) keynote speaker at an event. He had another member of the force being used like in his uniform and promotional materials. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Another... I hate to stop you there, but that's because uh, the, there's a problem there too. In that that Leah Remini show, the sign the Beyond the Scientology, which is so good, I think it's on Netflix now. Yeah, she talks about this, like when they when they would go to the sheriff's office and try to file a report and say this person's missing, we need help finding this person, right. or this is what the abuse I had uh, when I was a Scientologist living. They're like this- stonewalled. 
yeah, the, the police will investigate it's because they're hiring them to do events, yep. shit like this that you're talking yep. about right now. And it's the they're same thing. They're infiltrating. Yeah, it's like how do we, yeah, how do we get help when they're yeah. this, the, it's on. scary. It's yeah. scary. So Baca was found to have Alzheimer's disease. Mm. And that was a thing too, where like when he was like at the start of his trial, they were like, that should have been kicking in already. You know, right? like he, ha- well, he, at the very start of the trial, it was like, he, it was like early signs of dementia that was eventually, oh, and, and they were like, look, now he's going to go to jail. And he's not going to, you know, the treatment that he's going to get there is not, because, you know, when you have that disease, you have to be in familiar surroundings. There's all these things to help. And it's like, oh, well, I, I hate to be like, oh, well, Baca, but yeah. you know what? Fuck this. You made the bed, man. And yeah. now you got to go cry in it and lie in it. And not know so, who you are in it, probably. Fun fact, his first trial was a mistrial because the jury couldn't decide how much in obstruction Baca was responsible for. And the second trial, the prosecution laid out, the prosecution laid out a much stronger case. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he lost. And I thought that was interesting because sometimes when a mistrial happens, the prosecution will either go, yeah, we can't do it. Yeah. it, or they come back strong. And mm-hmm. so they were able to come back strong and like get the conviction. So I love that you say, hey, fun fact, yeah. the first trial was mistrial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's seen as fun fact. Um, the other thing I found interesting, um, and I mentioned this earlier, is he has a doctorate degree. Whoa. So he went to college. Um, and I believe he has a master's and a doctorate and he has a doctorate in public administration. Wow. So it just made me think like, should people in a position like sheriff have advanced degrees in public administration in things to, to know how to like manage people? Or is it like, Oh, you can work from the bottom up. Does it matter? Cause I, I don't think about like the qualifications for sheriff, you know, like there's certain jobs where it's like, you got to have that degree or you can't even apply. Right. Right. You know, I like so, bottom up. Yeah, I do bottom too, up because, sounds the right way to me. Yeah, or both. It could maybe be, both. But uh, if, you know, if you don't go from bottom up and you just come in as like, uh, I have this, this degree thing, and I have no then experience. You really, yeah, and then you're yeah. saying, oh, I know the best way to do these things, yeah. and it doesn't. Like you, teachers get this all the time. Oh, teachers, here's a new thing you guys are going to yes. do. And all the teachers are like, what the fuck? Yeah. This person has obviously never taught before, yeah. right? It's always like a recycle. To, it's like yeah. every five here years. Here we go again. Yeah, yes, here we yeah. go. <laughs> so one thing I found interesting was how many potential jurors were let go because they either heard stories of corruption <laughs> or family members witnessed corruption. So Whoa. the community was talking about what was happening in this jails to the point that jurors were let go. Like that's how long the abuse and talk of this abuse was going on in communities that, wow. Wow. You know, that, that it was like sort of poisoning the jury pool. Mm. And one potential juror said, as reported in the San Diego Union Tribune, quote, you just hear a lot of stories about county jail and how you're treated and stuff. Like they couldn't get anyone that hadn't heard wow. about how bad it was. Yeah. Like, and to me, like that means it's really bad. Like if it's <laughs> and, leaking into the community. That's right. And it, what it says to me is that uh, uh, there are a lot of more important people yes. who probably knew as well. Of and did course. Nothing to stop it. Of course. Fucking assholes. <laughs> You're going to love this. <laughs> he got sorry. to keep yes. his $342,000 a year pension. <laughs> $342,000 a year. Gets to keep it. I, I, I'm it's stunned. It's disgusting. And so they were, one article was like, this is like beneficial to him because then like his, the commissary, if you got money, you have power. 
right? So like, but take why the three forty two, take the three forty two, and clean up these fucking jails. Yes, get them. Get security cameras it's everywhere. Ridiculous, motherfuckers. It is ridiculous. This, I'm tired of this. That yeah, this is. By the way, if we have a bingo game for our show, like that's <laughs> or the checklist we talked yes. about. That's a checklist. They yes. keep their fucking. Do they get pension. their pension? Such Bullshit. garbage. Um, according to, I just have a couple more cause you okay. know me with my little points of interest. Yes. So according to the Capitol Gazette, the code name for this investigation was yeah. Operation Pandora's Box. <laughs> <laughs> Who comes up with this? Bullshit? I don't know, but I would look, can I have that job where yeah, I just well, make up these operation <laughs> names? I have to say, when you said it and you started laughing, I was, and I said, who comes up with this? I could imagine a Tina-esque oh, person my who's, God. who's comes up with a list of names and just reads them all yes. and laughs hysterically after they say each one. And, and people just oh, stare at you. my God. Yeah. So um, another interesting thing is the Guardian wrote about an article about room 721. Mm. So this was the cell used for celebrities oh, in the jail. Very interesting. And some other notorious figures that would need protection. And so they describe, so, you know, the, you picture like a regular jail cell. The celebrity jail cell was eight by 10 feet. It was clean. It had a bed, a toilet, a sink, and a phone. And the writer contrasts that with the rest of the jail, which is described as, quote, a madhouse where about a dozen men shower together and many are just waiting on a bed to sleep in. But if you're Paris Hilton or you're someone else, like you get to lounge in this big space alone. Wow. It's kind of messed up. Of course it is. But I feel like that's probably the celebrity way out there. Don't you think there's always a better room somewhere? Come on. In Mm. 2019, Baca was implicated in a bribery scheme where oh. a witness saw him take cash bribes <gasps> from a fuel trader, Lev Derman. So that's sort of still ongoing. So, you know, he gets arrested for this, but now this other thing has come up and then Bach is named in that, even though like he's already been sentenced for this oh, other wow. thing. Wow. And then um, another thing that happens sort of under his watch, watch is one of the sheriff stations in this kind of small suburban area under his jur- jurisdiction, um, deputies were competing with each other to see who could impound the most cars and make the most arrests, according to a 2007 New York Times article, which sounds like a recipe for disaster. So he allegedly didn't know they were doing that and ordered them to stop, but he didn't see anything wrong with it. I mean, if you're competing, you're going to start trying to arrest people for the sake of arresting them because you want to have the most arrests. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. So in 2018, uh, and I thought this was great, like, this is my last little fact. Um, you know, he doesn't report to jail till 2020. He is arrested or sentenced in 2017. But in 2018, the University of Los Angeles College of Divinity in Compton, California, oh. hired him as a uh. professor. Uh. <laughs> it's like, you can't make it up. You get $324,000 a year. Yeah, sure. And they're like, he's a competent professor. They wrote this whole like amazing thing about him. And it's like, he was just convicted. And this is a divinity school? Well. Come on. Religious folks can look past a lot of shit. So that's the story of Lee Baca, the crooked, corrupt cop from L.A. Absolutely. Wow. Amazing. Fucking love that story, Tina. Loved it. Let's hope (laughs) just one listen loves it, too. Oh, God, I'm scared of this I know. I'm nervous. (laughs) You have to go listen to that. And this guy, he doesn't give a fuck. Fuck, he just tells everybody exactly how it goes. 
He talks about their sound. Oh, God, they're editing their sound. I'm just like, oh, my God. But I'm did scared. you listen? I mean, are you like, well, he's right. Like, it does sound like that. Well, yeah, when he was playing it. I thought, you know, it's funny because because we went to PodFest in 2020, yes. like the first week of March before the world exploded. I feel like, I mean, we learned a lot there. We learned so much. Um, But I think we also learned that a lot of the things we were doing were, were right. Yes. So, like, our executive producer, Alfredo Olvera, realtor he um <laughs> he said why do you record every week it's too much to one episode yes. a week it's too much it's too much i'm like one we do like the other two the little mucks yeah i'm like because you have to have constant you have to be yeah. um consistent consistent that yes. was the number one thing was consistency and he's like just do like six months a season take a couple months off and i'm like people will disappear like yep. you can't do that you have to be consistent yeah so when, when he we're says, super famous then we can do that yeah right. we'll play some <laughs> old episodes and stuff but when he said but when he was like you haven't put a podcast out in like six months or something about that one I was like oh god like yeah I mean at least we are consistent we yes. added an additional show listen we can write this up for you just one listen yeah. we're, we're happy to I'm anxious to hear I'm anxious to hear what he has to say I am nervous now now you've got me nervous well <laughs> and guys fan base if yeah. he trashes us you all need to go and fight for us yeah right who's gonna do that it's fine barefoot I, i'm anxious to hear it i mean i i'm so i was trying to think of like what could he say and maybe it is the talk in the beginning but our i i, I believe like barefoot lobo with the um barefoot i base all our stuff on what barefoot thinks yes he barefoot likes it yeah and uh a friend of mine okay so the what we did last week is you were you were a little delirious i was delirious was, was i went back and listened and but i have to also I say like what like the, the world the clip at the end the um what do we call it? the blooper clip the blooper thing barefoot was like this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, he's like more blooper reel. Aww. And then a friend of mine listened to it. And he said that this is Tina sounds so funny and like real on here. Like I go, no, that's really Tina. <laughs> that's real Tina. <laughs> Tina going, fuck. Yeah. And that's Tina, everybody. That's how Tina really is. Oh she's my God. really funny on oh. when she's delirious. I know. <laughs> well, let's just fill me up with another bacteria and yeah, I'll be ready go. to go next week. <laughs> <laughs> when I would listen to that episode and you were talking about the tiny um, Grim Reaper. Oh, my friend Margaret died. texted me going, died. the Grim Reaper. She <laughs> oh my God. I keep thinking about how funny. We should ask oh Josh to draw a tiny Grim Reaper. That would be hilarious. Like yelling at you about yeah. your work. That oh my shit God. is so fucking funny. But like funny. a squishy, cute, squishy version. Yeah. Oh, P.S. So my daughter, who is a genius, basically. She is. Um, she... Uh, she asked for an iPad, which my kids don't have iPads. They have like Kindles, which is like oh. a boot ass version of a tablet. Yeah. But, um, get so her she the wants, iPad with the Apple pencil. So she, yeah, well, she wants to do animation. Yeah. And so she said to me, cause I've showed her clips of my favorite murder when it's animated because yeah. they're so funny. She's like, I could totally animate clips from um, your podcast. <gasps> and I was thinking, oh, oh, sorry. That was me. I hit the table. I was thinking how, that's okay. I was thinking how funny it would be if she did the Grim Reaper one where you're like, oh you're like God. lying in bed and you look up and you see the, yes. <laughs> the little Grim Reaper like standing there. How fucking funny would, would that be? It would be amazing. Yeah. And the, I use an Apple pencil at uh, my work mm. and it's incredible. It writes just like a pencil. Yeah. Like it feels, yeah. you know, and I used to have the early back in the day, like the early stylist, like when I had, God, this is like 10 years ago when mm -hmm. I had my iPad at work and I had the stylus with the little nub and yeah, yeah. you could write, but it wasn't like this pencil. 
it it's so incredible how it works yeah. and the things that you can do with it. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's awesome. Love it. And and for an artist, she can do so many things. Oh my god. So I say yes. I'm on board with you getting this for her. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I want to be animated. Yeah. Um and let me just I'm going to leave you unless you have something else. No. I'm going to leave you with a quote that my daughter did tell me this week. <gasps> so she was reading an article in some paper about this trans sports bill. And she was reading what DeSantis Are you make said. Me cry? Yes. She was reading what DeSantis said about girls playing sports yeah. and we have to protect our girls. And she said to me, quote, Mom, you know what DeSantis got wrong? I said, What? She said, Trans girls are girls. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, Yes, yes, oh, yes, my yes. Goodness. She's twelve. How the fuck does a twelve year old get that? We she, have lawmakers you know in the state who don't she, understand that. She is brilliant and she is kind and she has an amazing mother mm. who exposes her to so much for her to think and not be sort of poisoned by other things. Right. And and you encourage that. That's very sweet, Tina. Thank you. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to have such a powerful, powerful woman mm. come out of Pam because of you. Thank God. She, she's incredible. Well, listen, when I when I found out I was having a daughter, that's all I want. I was like, please let me have a girl. And I did. And I, the second they tell me she was a girl, I was like, she's going to be a feminist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And I'm tr- I'm working very hard to yes. make my son a feminist. I'm as trying well. to do that with yes. my boys, and it's very I always, easy to do. You can do it. You can I do always it. wanted a girl. Yes, and I remember when I had my second, which was a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, every uh, so many people were like, "Oh, oh, like this," yeah. and I was like, "Like they assume you want a girl." Yeah, and I did, of course. But I mean, my my son is just this this sweet. He's so damn sweet. Yeah. Um, but I really am trying. I mean trying my best to make them think about the world and their position in it and, mm-hmm. and how they need to treat people and how they, I think the way and that how they view women, that's right. And they need the, to view the, women. You're their first vision, their first view of woman, right? So yeah. like the way that you work, you know, I feel like women having full-time jobs and not yeah. that they're not that it's perfectly fine if you don't, but I think that having those conversations of like, this is what mommy has chosen to do, yes. right? Like my son, he, anytime he knows how to get to me, he goes, he says things like, I really wish you could come to my birthday party at school. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I go, Can't, you know, he knows that's going to hurt my feelings because yes. he knows I'd love to do that, but I have a job, Same. you know? So he said that to me this week and I've kind, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like tired of the criticism. Yeah. Don't fucking criticize me as a mother anymore. I'm fucking done with that. And so I said to him, I go, look around, you see this nice house you live in? That's because I have a fucking job. Yes. Like, you know that Nintendo Switch you want to get at the yes. end of the year? And That's the because I have a you're job. Going to yeah. And all those the, things. The, the school I pay for, yeah. it's because I have a job. So shut the fuck up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, remember the cho- every year for your birthday, I make a chocolate chip cookie cake with a D for uh. your initial with, with M&M's. I'm doing the best I can. Yes. Don't criticize me as a mother. We're yes. all doing the best that we can fucking yes. do. Yes. And I love you. Get out of my face. Oh. Mommy needs to take a nap. That was me. That was me in a pile of laundry. And my oldest was just like, please play FIFA with me. And I'm like, number one, every time I play FIFA, I lose. I am not good at FIFA. Like, put the racing game on, yeah. do something else. I'm happy. But I'm not. And he thinks it's funny. Yeah. So he was like, oh, well, all four of us would play. And it would be me, 
on the team with uh, him mm-hmm. and then my husband with the little one because the little one and I su- I said, oh, it's because we suck. You're going to put us as the default players. I said, this is the game we're playing. And he was like, no, it'll be great. And I was like, if it's a four minute, yeah. you know, half. Oh, they go on too long. Because you can set it for like the shortest amount of time or yes. like a 15 minute half. And I'm like, if it's four minutes, it's eight minutes of my time. Fine. Yeah. Otherwise, no. Yeah. FIFA. No, I'm out. That's how, listen, I talked about this on, on Hell is Full of Dads on their episode. I left them a question that my son wants a Nintendo Switch. It's $300. That's a lot. He asked for it back in October and he said he, he's putting it on his Christmas list. I said, I got to tell you, Santa ain't bringing this to you. Yeah. Oh, Santa can bring me anything I ask for. I'm like, that's not happening. So then in November, I had to sit him down with my husband and say, look at, look at my eyes. This is not going to be under the tree. I just want you to understand you're not get, this is too big. It's expensive. It's too much. And it's not happening. And the games, $50 and the, dollars a game. and the updates, like we, so we on some sale got the Xbox thing, Yes, but now the Xbox has updated to oh, some newer please. Xbox. Yeah. So like, you know, my son has like FIFA 19, FIFA 20, FIFA 21. But now for FIFA 22, he can't Xbox. get it because only it's, oh, they're only making it for the new <sighs> Xbox. And it's like, no, it's what a, a well, racket. I'm not getting involved in this. What and that's racket. why I don't want to get racket. I don't want to get involved in it. So I told him no. So then he comes to us a week later. This is how I know he's going to be like a fantastic lawyer one day. He goes, I have a, a, a proposition, like a deal. I'm like, what is it? And he said, if I get A's and B's on my report card all year, okay. can I get a Nintendo Switch at the end of the year? And I didn't even like take a breath. I was like, done. Yes, deal. This kid has gotten A's and B's all year long. Oh. So now here we are in the last quarter. And I said, let me go check your grades. He has a C in reading. <gasps> this is like four weeks ago. And I was like, I don't know. What are you going to do? And he's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Well, first he had a D. So he brought it up to a C. He's at like 77. So he's got to bring it up. And he has a final exam on Friday. Oh. So he got it. He, he can has bring to it. Get, yeah, he has to bring it up. It depends. Well, so God, he's going to have to do the calculation of what percentage of that, of his grade yeah. is the blah, 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 blah. And but do you to think, see what grade he needs on it. Do you think at all this weekend he has, he's now punished because he got in trouble at school yesterday, uh, Friday. He's been punished all weekend. I don't even want to get into it. It's a nightmare, but well, not crazy. It's just, yeah. it's enough. It's a, yeah. he, he's, it's the age. It's, it's the, the age. age. He got into it with somebody. Never gets in trouble at school. I don't know what's happening at the end of this year. Do you think he's cracked open that notebook with his notes for the final exam for reading? Do you think he's done that at all this weekend? No. He's crying to me. I don't have anything to do. And I'm like, well, you're not going to have anything to do this summer either because you're not playing with a fucking <laughs> Nintendo Switch. Uh, and then he's saying to me, "Should are you're not going to get it for me if I get a C? And I was like, that's not the deal. Yeah. Meanwhile, Barefoot Lobo and Cody are like, get him the fucking Nintendo <gasps> Switch. And they're like, if he's worked his hardest now, I got to tell you, he has not worked his hardest. Yeah, no. And he is not. And I can't, that's what I said last night. I go, you know, I can't believe I haven't seen you open up this notebook. Yeah, that's it. I mean, working hard would be. Yeah. And he's the last few tests he's had since I found out that he had to see he's gotten B's on them, but it's Good. not bringing him up enough to well, pop and she, that grade. Well, and she may not have like entered all the grades yet. She might we'll drop see. the lowest grade. You know, there's all these things that could happen. But I, uh, Tina, would you get him? Would you get them the Nintendo Switch if they got to see? If you had that deal. Oh, I will tell you. I'm the one who caves all the time. Mm-hmm. My husband, however, it would be a hard no. Well, yeah, because now my husband would say, "No, this was the deal you made." Yes, the end. That's how I feel because and, 
he might negotiate something else like for the summer or this, like, you know, he might, there might be a new negotiation that comes out of it. Yeah. But if he, he would say, no, this is the word you said, yeah. you know. And he, so because of this, our daughter who gets basically straight A's all the time, never asked for fucking anything. So I said to her, you know, do you want something? I can't buy something for him. And then look at her who's never asked. I know. She's like, what do you mean? Why would I get something? I said, well, because your brother. And she's like, I thought that's what we were supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be getting A's and B's. And I was like, ooh, bitch. So that's, a, that's when she asked she's for like the iPad. My oldest. She asked for the iPad. And I was like, and that's what I said to, to my son last night. I said, it's going to be a real long summer when your sister's in there animating shit. And you're over here. Don't know what you don't know what to do. <laughs> so you could drop him at my house yeah. and he could play Xbox with Gigi, <laughs> yeah, I mean, or with my son. What is this? I don't know, girl. All right. Listen. Okay. Uh, guys, we have we we got an interview to do. I know. Oh my god. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> if you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Muck Podcast. To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.